scared of the dark before? A few of you? If you're not raising your hand, we know what we call them. What are they? Yeah, they're liars. Because the reality is all of us have kind of had that experience before, blackness, darkness. Um, you know, you can't see where you're going. You're just afraid. Um, I was a kid uh, who was afraid of the dark, not so much until my uh, brother and I got moved to the same room. Um, and when we got moved to the same room, uh, we had bunk beds, and my brother Tim slept on the top bunk bed. I slept on the bottom and our nighttime routine was my parents would come into our uh, room and they would tuck us in and go, oh, my sweet boys, you know, we love you and uh, sweet dreams. And they would walk out of the door, uh, out of the room, close the door behind them. And then Tim would walk down the bunk bed ladder, go over to our stereo, put a cassette tape in, okay, those of you who are in your 20s, just Google it, okay? Uh, that's how old I am. A cassette tape in, and he would play this song. I'd like you to listen to it just for a moment. I'm in my bed. This song is going as loud as can be. And, you know, the group Heart, uh, this was one of the top songs in 1977 for half of the year, and we listened to it every single night. And it would just go over again and again and again and again, and I would just be in my bed like this, like, ah, you know? Like, if there was some kind of Ativan or something back then, I'd have been a six-year-old taking it, because, I mean... I was just scared, you know, and, and the reality is, um, you know, it made me not only scared of my brother because I knew he would kill me if, uh, you know, I told on him, but I was just scared of the dark for a long time. And uh, finally, I became an adult and uh, wasn't scared of the dark so much. But then we had two children, Jordan and Shiloh, my two girls, and uh, we would put them to bed. And, you know, you go through that whole kind of if you've had young children and, you know, like. You know, it can just be difficult, and you finally get them, and, you know, you've gotten rid of all of the boogeymans that are in their, you know, uh, closet and all that kind of stuff, and you put them down, you finally get back to your bed, and you lay down as a parent, and you're like, ah. And then all of a sudden you hear these little footsteps, and they come, and they kind of open up the door, you know, and then you fake as a parent, and you're like, oh, I'm going to just be asleep, you know. And then they go in, they start shaking you, and, and then, you know, this is the phrase that came out of their mouth, I'm afraid of the dark. And the reality is, folks, is one thing that I've learned is that every single one of us, at some point in our life, has been afraid of the dark. It doesn't matter who you are or 
where you came from or how old you are or how young you are, there are times when darkness is just very overwhelming for us. And it's very interesting to me that in Scripture, um, when God created everything, he actually began the process with darkness. Uh, The text says this in Genesis chapter 1, the second verse of the Bible. The earth was formless and empty, and what's the next word? Yeah, darkness covered the deep waters. And so at the very beginning, there's a sense that it's dark, and there's water all around, and there is this sense of fear. There's this sense that I'm afraid of the dark. And the reality is this word darkness is not just an absence of light, but it has this concept of having despair and discouragement and you're overwhelmed. And the earth was formless and void and there was no meaning in the midst of it. And the writer says that there was this darkness and there was this deep waters. It's like you're in the middle of the ocean and there's cloud cover so you can't see any stars and there's just dark everywhere around. There's utter chaos. You, you can hear the waves crashing and the swells forming and the tides rising and the sea is surging. It's like the way Dorian, you know, was coming in in the Caribbean last night. And you can imagine that if you were in a ship and you're in the midst of that, just this sense of darkness and fear that is covered everywhere. And there's just this unbridled kind of confusion. And you see, if you're a sailor and you're out in the middle of the ocean and you experience this kind of darkness, it becomes your greatest fear that you're having, and for good reason. You see, in the ocean, one thing that I uh, learned was that there are over 3 million ships at the bottom of the ocean. Over 3 million, think about that, 3 million that are at the bottom of the ocean. And as the earliest construction, as they put pieces together to say maybe we could actually float out in there and and do something, there was this sense of what kind of bravery it would take. Because when you would go out, you would have small fish to the shore, but if you went further out, that's where the big fish were, and so fishermen would take risks. And so many of those ships went to the bottom, and people died, and so fishermen finally realized that they needed some markers. And so they would get a few kids that would take some sticks and they would pay them something to light these sticks on the end. And they would stand on the shore and they would have them and they would wave them so that as the ship got out too far, they could kind of see how they could get back to harbor if they needed to. And there was this signal fire that would take place. And and cultures would use that kind of technology for years and years and decades and decades. And eventually they were like, well, we can use the water maybe to actually sell things. So they would get ships and they would put few and a few sailors and maybe a couple of deckhands. And when they went out, it was a sense of, we're not sure if we'll make it, but they were braving the darkness. I like the way that the message translation gives this verse. It says this, Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. You can't see your hand in front of 
your face. It's that dark. And you're afraid. And you're afraid of everything. Especially the darkness. And so this was the way the beginning of the Bible began in this very kind of dark world. And then all of a sudden, God did something amazing. And the scripture says this. Then God said, what? Let's all say it out loud together. Let there be light. Yeah. And you just think about that. All the world had known was darkness. And then God said, let there be light. And there was this burst of light that came on to the scene. And it was from this light that order then was established and things could grow and light took on a new meaning. And there was new life in the world and it wasn't dark anymore. But I want to ask you this morning, have you ever experienced a deep darkness in your life? Maybe the reality is for some of you today, you're in the midst of a deep darkness. No one knows. You try not to say anything, but the reality is that it's there. Maybe you're blinded by your past and you just can't get over your past and you're like, I just can't believe that that happened, but it did. Or maybe it's a relational darkness. You have a relationship maybe with your spouse or with a family member, a friend, and there's some real darkness that's going on. Maybe for others of you, uh, it's a sense of financial darkness. You're struggling to just make ends meet, and there's a sense that I just don't know if we're ever going to see light. Or maybe you have this sense of deep despair, and you're just fearful of the future because you know that there are some decisions that are coming down the pike that you have to make, and you feel dark in the midst of that. And so... Let me ask you this morning this question. Do you need a little light today? Maybe on Labor Day weekend, when all the friends and all the family and people at work are talking about going to the lakes and doing this and doing that, you're like, I'm at church. Well, I want you to know something. Why are you laughing? That wasn't that funny. Well, I want you to know something. You're at the best place that you could be today because there's some light that I really believe God wants to give to you. If you've been angry with God and you're wrestling with Him, maybe today God will give you a little light. Or you experience some great pain or hurt or you're going through some physical kind of struggles. Today, God wants to give you a little light. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks or some relationship is. God wants to give you a little light. Is your job just seems like a burden? You're you're so glad you have tomorrow off because the reality is you wondered if you could even make it through Friday because every time you go into work, it's like an eight hours of a dark cloud that's over your head. And you're like, I'm not sure I have too much more to make it through. You know, over this past week, I've been challenging myself That whatever situation I'm in, that when I see something going on, that I really want to be able to say to that situation, let there be light. 
So if I'm in the midst of a discussion with someone and they're discouraged, God, I'm, I'm praying in my head, let there be light in this person. When something is just not going so well for someone or they have an illness or some struggle, God, let there be light. When, when a relationship is broken and you can see that, man, I'm not sure if it could be mended, but God, would you let there be light in the midst of this? And this kind of leads us to our, our big idea for this morning. And you can write it in your program or on our JAR app. And the, our big idea this morning is this. Light will always overcome darkness. Uh, now, you're going to write it, but I'd like us to say it as well. So let's say this out loud together, all in one voice. Light will always overcome darkness. It's true. Light will always overcome any type of darkness. You know, the rabbis, the Jewish teachers, uh, believed that there were 31,102 scriptures. And their whole thought was that they believed that after those first few verses where God actually kind of separates dark from light and he calls out, let there be light, They believed that the rest of Scripture, all of Scripture, was about helping people to discern between what is dark and what is light. Because the reality is every single time we walk through a day, there's darkness or there's light, and you and I have a choice what we're going to select. And in Ephesians, the book that we've been looking at uh, over the past few weeks, we've learned that what Paul is really trying to tell us is that, you know, You know who you once were, but then when you came to Christ, you're something different. And it's interesting to me that Paul goes back to the very beginning of Scripture, and he he talks about this concept of light and darkness, and this is what he says. In Ephesians 5.8, For you were once darkness. Now, when I read that, I thought there must be a typo. uh, Because what it should be is like, for you were once in darkness. Like, you once were in darkness, but no, 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 no. Paul doesn't say you were once in darkness. He says every single one of us, everyone here, 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 all of those in the balcony, we were once darkness. We were dark. We were absent of light. We were drifting around doing our own thing, making our own decisions. There was void and no meaning in our world, nothing but chaos. And let's be honest, at that point in our life, we were not thriving. We were just trying to make it through the weekend as we partied or did whatever until we got to the week and then looked for the next thing. And it was this kind of world of darkness. And then he goes on and he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all the goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Folks, you and I were once absent of light. And so Paul says that now that you have experienced light, the light of Christ in your life, then now you should live absent of darkness. Uh, Be about the things that are good, 
the things that are right, the things that are true. Uh, Have a right relationship with God. Spend time with Him. Have a right relationship with the people around you. Have a right relationship with your own story. Have a right relationship with the world that exists. And be truthful. Don't manipulate. Don't lie. But be truthful about who you are. Don't be something that you're not. One of the things that I think human beings struggle with the most is we're always comparing ourselves to someone else or we want to be something different or more. I'm telling you, God created you uniquely and designed you for you to be you. And when you get to heaven, he's not going to say, hey, why weren't you more like, you know, Joe Schmo? He's going to ask the question, why weren't you more like you? And Paul says, be that, be that. Live the light, absent of darkness, because, like our big idea says, light will overcome any, any darkness. Can you imagine what the church of Jesus Christ would look like if people actually said that I'm going to be light? Everywhere I go, I'm going to be light. Whatever the situation, whether it's in the workplace, my family, friends, neighborhood, whatever, I'm going to be light. I'm telling you, if that took place, it would transform all of society. Now, Ephesus that we've learned so far is a town uh, that is actually a large city. And it's the second largest city during this time. 250,000 people live there. And it's like the cultural kind of expo of all of the world. And uh, it was a place where there was selling and buying of all kinds of goods and slaves were sold there. It was like the place where culture took place and so Everyone would go there for the theater or for a sporting event or whatever. And people would go simply to experience kind of the Ephesus way of life. Uh, It's like Las Vegas, you know. People always want to go to Vegas because they simply want to experience something that's bigger and greater and more amazing than you can imagine. And so uh, Ephesus was like this. And they had one of the seven wonders of the world. People would come all over the world to see it. And that was the temple of Artemis. But another, one of the seven wonders of the world, was just across the Mediterranean. And it was called the Lighthouse of Alexandria. And this is a depiction uh, of this particular lighthouse. Now, uh, as far as we know, this is the first lighthouse that was ever constructed in the history of the world. It took place around 290 B.C., and so about 300 years before Jesus came on the scene, and it took 20 years for them to build it. Uh, anyone, anyone want to guess what it cost to build it? Any guesses? 800 talents. And you're like, who cares? Okay. It was $3 million, $3 million U.S. dollars. It was 450 feet tall. And uh, it was just gigantic. And it was an amazing kind of sight for people to actually see. And what they would do is, up here at the top, they would have these big mirrors that would reflect the light and it would actually uh, extend it or illuminate it off into the ocean. Now, people say that the light was so great that 
during the day, the smoke could be seen by a hundred miles away. And at night, a hundred miles away, you could see this. Uh, there were these different kind of caretakers of the tower, and their responsibility was to go up, and the responsibility was to never let the light go out, to keep it burning all the time. And so they would clean the mirrors, they would trim the wicks of 500 candles that would be burning there, making sure that there was enough oil that was in there to be burned, and uh, that they would get that from whales that were in the ocean. And the gas flame and the, all of the fire itself would just create this huge illumination, illumination. And it actually existed until the 1300s when an earthquake came and actually finally wiped it out. So when Paul is writing these words, you were darkness, but now you are light. Live in the light. I want you to know that lighthouses were present and they were around. And people would be like, oh, that kind of light, that kind of illumination. In fact, some scholars believe that Paul, before he wrote the letter to the Ephesians, he was actually in a prison right outside of Ephesus. And um, it was right above this road right here that's called Harbor Road. So this road right here was kind of like the main thoroughfare. It was like, you know, 465, okay, and uh, I-465. And, and it was there, and people would come, and people lived all over the place, and then folks would come up and down here, and there would be all kinds of selling and trading, and it was this huge metropolitan kind of uh, experience that people would have. And uh, on top of the mountain in the background, you can see, uh, if you look closely, kind of uh, like a building. And what this was believed to be was a prison that Paul actually was in um, while he was in Ephesus. And you can barely kind of make out the building, but, it, but it's there in the back. And recent archaeological digs, what they found was not only was there a prison there, but they found a foundation in which they've actually seen the form that there would have been a lighthouse there as well. Because uh, this is all kind of ocean that you see, and so you would want the lighthouse to be at the highest place imaginable. And so as Paul looks down on this huge city of 250,000 people, this harbor city, you would have this lighthouse that was shining. And while he's in prison, he would notice like, you know, the keepers of the lighthouse that would go in and, and they would make sure everything was working. So there would be this gigantic light that would go out into the ocean. And just think about that, that when a storm was coming or something was happening, Paul could look out and then he would see this light and it was trying to help all the different ships to be able to come safely into the harbor. And then I found this out this week that I thought was really cool, that one of the symbols of the early church during this time was the symbol of a lighthouse or a ship. Because it was that primary symbol that showed deliverance with Christ, that Christ could bring you safely home. You're lost at sea, you're weary, you're in despair, you're darkness, and then all of a sudden there comes a light from the lighthouse. And if you've 
ever been out in the ocean and you finally see that light, it, it's just amazing because you're like, oh, we're almost there. We're almost out of the darkness and it leads us home. And folks, what I want you to know today is if you're in a dark place or you're struggling with something and you feel like rescue is impossible, I want you to know today it is possible. There's a lighthouse that is scanning back and forth and back and forth, longing for you to know that you're not by yourself. You just have to look for the light. I heard a story recently about a uh, captain of a big naval ship. And he's on the bridge of the ship and he looks out and he notices a light. And so he's kind of afraid that his ship might collide into the light. So he goes ahead and Morse code or whatever to kind of give a signal back. And so he gives this signal, alter your course 10 degrees north. And this other light, whatever it is, gives a signal back that says, no, you alter your course 10 degrees south. And so the captain is like, what is this guy doing? And so he sends it back and he says, no, alter your course 10 degrees north. I'm a captain. And and the other guy uh, in, in this other light kind of construction, he he kind of goes back and he says, no, 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 no. You alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a third-class seaman. And at that point, it's like the, the captain's like, who does this guy think he is? And so he says, send this to him. And so they send this, say it, and it says, alter your course 10 degrees north. This is a battleship. And the guy comes back and this is what he says he says alter your course 10 degrees south i'm a lighthouse some of you will get it later just explain it to whoever it is you know sailors have this saying that lighthouses are a constant Folks, you might think you're on the right course and you're going the right way and you're doing the right thing and then all of a sudden there's a lighthouse that appears on the horizon and you think to yourself, surely that can't be it, that can't be it. And then you're surprised as you get closer to it. You're like, ah, it is. And just like God, folks, a lighthouse never fails. It's a constant. It doesn't change doesn't move it doesn't play tricks it's just a light and it's constantly pointing out so that people can get safely to the harbor folks paul understood this and this is what he says in ephesians 5 verse 13 everything exposed like the light by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes light In other words, Paul had this thought that if the light of Christ came and it came on you, it it just didn't illuminate you, but it allowed you then to be a reflection to illuminate to others who were struggling with darkness. And each of us who are called a Christ follower, if we say, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ, I'm following him, that's what I want, you should remember that there was a point in your life in which you were on the verge of shipwreck. That you thought you knew best, you knew right, and you were going to do your own thing. And 
there was this sense that you were in control of all that you needed and all that you wanted. And you chose darkness again and again and again. But when you saw the light, it like did something to you and you trusted it. And you said, this will get me safe to the harbor. And Paul says, you, you actually then are transformed to actually illuminate light to other people around you. You see, in the first century, uh, this next text that we're going to look at was a, a text that was actually kind of mentioned during baptism. When uh, people were baptized in the first century, uh, this was kind of a text that we'll look at. And the reason why I'm so excited about it is because last week uh, we had our baptism and we had 19 people that were baptized and we had a picture of, yeah, that's something to celebrate, you know. And uh, it was such an awesome day and we had so much fun and every single one of these people experienced a time in their life in which they had this thought that they wanted to be the captain of their life. And they were lost at sea. And they thought they knew what was best. But when they started to really follow the light, things kind of changed and they looked at something different. And they saw the light. And they said, not only do I want to see it, but then I want to illuminate it. I want to share it with other people. Folks, when you came to Christ, if you've given your life to Christ, or you came through baptism, Paul is saying, you're no longer on team darkness. You're on team light. You have to then live your life as one that has light. And Paul's saying at the beginning that you thought you would stay in darkness forever, but no, 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 the light came, and now the light is shining on you. God is working in you and through you more than anything else that he wants you to be a light to the people around you, your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends, whoever it is, in the school, everywhere you go, that you illuminate, you, you illuminate the light of Christ so that people can come to a safe harbor. That's why a couple of weeks ago I challenged us as a church to actually think of one person who's disconnected from Christ or the church, who's in darkness. And I, I hope you've done that. And I hope you don't give up on praying that for them for one minute each day. And we have a prayer for you to, to know how to do that. If you need another card, you can go to the guest connections to do that. But the whole point was not to just keep the light to ourselves, but to actually share it with others. And so eventually there's this beautiful scripture that Paul kind of ends his, his time in Ephesians chapter 5 where uh, he kind of takes this passage of this section and it actually was a song that people would sing when people would get baptized. And this is what the text actually says. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And so... This last Sunday, as people were getting baptized, people were singing before, celebrating them. And in the early churches, people would go to get baptized. They would sing this, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He's like, rise and shine. Give God the glory. Let your light 
shine on you. And I have a feeling that some of you are here today and maybe you've been wandering. Maybe you've been trying to do life in your own way, trying to navigate your ship with your own energy, your own strength. And the beauty of a lighthouse picture is that it's constantly scanning up in the balcony, down here in the mezzanine, that it's constantly going back and forth, shining light on you to any and all, telling them, come back home. You know, when you choose to follow the light and you come to the one who knows you best and loves you most, the scriptures say that Christ then will actually shine on you. Jesus put it this way in uh, John chapter 8. I am the light of the world. In me, you will be absent of all darkness, all sin. You will be made a light. It's like at the very beginning of everything. God said, let there be light. And then Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, now all of you, including the person in your seat, is to be light to the people around you. When you accept the invitation from the light of the world, all of heaven celebrates and rejoices for you making that choice. Several months ago, I was uh, praying for our baptism, uh, which took place last week. And uh, for me, it was the most exciting baptism that we had ever had, uh, mainly because uh, I had the opportunity to baptize my oldest daughter, Jordan. And uh, we have a picture of her there. And uh, I was a crying mess, honestly, for most of it. And uh, she had to tell me multiple times, Dad, you got to get it together. You know, like, you got to pull it together. And so, you know, I was baptizing her and, and praying for her and different things. And uh, I was so excited. But um, kind of going into the baptism, I was a little bit bummed because two months before, I had been praying, God, would for your honor and your glory, God, not for me, not for the church, but for you, would, would, would you have 20 people? get baptized. And so after the first week, we had like 17, and I just kept praying. And, and that week, there were two more people. And so we were at 19, and I was so excited. But, you know, we, we weren't at 20. And I was like, God, come on, you know, would you do something? And, and then uh, a, a week before the baptism, a guy in our church by the name of Dave uh, came up to me, and he said, hey, um, I wondered if you could uh, baptize my brother. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be great, man. We'll have, we'll have 20 and he can come out and do that. And he's like, well, he, he can't go to the baptism. I'm like, ah, oh, great. You know, it's like, yay, God, oh, God. You know, it's kind of one of those things. And so uh, he said, well, the reason that he can't go to the baptism is uh, because he's on hospice. And uh, he only has... Uh, at most, six months to live. And so I said, yeah, yeah. I said, I, I, I can still baptize him. And he said, well, uh, you know, could you do it during the week? I said, yeah, sure. And uh, so his name's Mike, and we went to his house 
and uh, he was sitting in a wheelchair with an oxygen tank that he has on 24-7. His heart only beats at 24%. His organs are kind of shutting down one by one. And he's sitting there, and he, he barely can kind of, you know, keep his breath. And he says, but I want to tell you something. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And he said, uh, a couple of months ago, I was sitting in, I was laying in my hospital bed. And it was dark, and I was kind of scared of the dark. And when all of a sudden, there was just like this huge light that came upon me. And he said it wasn't audible, there wasn't anything said, but it came upon me and just felt this peace and this forgiveness from God. And he went on to tell me that for most of his adult life, he had partied a lot. He said, you know, the reason I'm kind of where I'm at right now is because of the lifestyle that I've had. And all of a sudden, this, uh, this guy's in a wheelchair. He's a big, tough guy. And uh, tears just coming down his face. And so I brought Caleb with me. And Caleb and I walked in. He said, I, I can't be baptized in a bathtub or a sink or anything like that. I said, no problem. I said, we, we can sprinkle, you know. It's okay. And so we baptized him. And again, the tears are just coming down his face. And he experienced the forgiveness of all of his sins. And he said, the reason I did this is because I experienced that light. And I want to have that light for all of eternity. And I want Jesus to be the center of however much time I have left. And so at the end, I said, uh, hey, Mike, uh, would you be okay if we got a picture? And he said, oh, yeah. And he was uh, sitting in his wheelchair. And he's a proud guy. He said, I'm going to stand. And he just kind of worked as hard as he could. And he finally got up. And he's just kind of gasping for breath because that much there just takes energy from him. And we took this picture of my friend Mike and myself. And this is what I want to say to you. If you don't know Christ, if you haven't experienced His life, If at one time you were filled with his light, but now you've let some darkness in, I'm telling you, don't wait until this point to make that decision. You make the choice. That God said, let there be light. That Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said to every single person here, you. So, my prayer for you who chose to come on Labor Day weekend 
when some of your other friends are getting lit up right now. What I want you to know is that you get to be lit up with the most important thing you could ever do with your life. Because I'm telling you, the mics of the world are all around you, and they are spiritually dying. And I decided on Labor Day weekend not to give passes, but to challenge you to say, don't let the mics in your life die a spiritual death. You be life. God, we uh, thank you so much for your goodness to us. That in a world that you could have let stay in darkness, you called out, let there be light. God, we thank you so much for being the ultimate lighthouse for us. That beams out a light reminding us that light will always overcome darkness. And Lord, would you help us not to simply keep this light to ourselves, but to illuminate it into our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our community. Help us this Labor Day weekend to be your light to those around us. Help us to not just survive, God, but to thrive by being connected to you and then being light to the people around us. Now maybe for some of you, you came here today. You came because family said, hey, come, we'll do a cookout afterwards. Or you're just here for the first time. The reality is you you feel like you're living in darkness right now. The waters are churning. Everything's dark. You feel alone. You're in a, a difficult place. You act one way on the outside, but the reality is you're scared. You're scared of what you're going through. You're scared of the dark in your life. And maybe for some of you, you're, you're like, well, I'm just not sure if if I'm good enough for God to reach in and do something, I'm, I'm not sure I have enough faith to allow that to happen. I want you to know that because of the light of the world, Jesus Christ himself, who said, I will take on all the darkness here in this world, that you are set free and you are given a new life. He died once and for all so that you could be forgiven and set free and to live out his life. So right now, if you're sitting there and you're ready to say, you know what, I'm tired of living in the darkness. By faith today, God, I want the light of the world in me. I surrender to you, Jesus. I give my life to you. I'm going to seek you with all that I am. I I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your light in my life. I invite you 
to simply pray this prayer after me. And don't think that you're going to be put on the spot or other people are going to say something. We'll pray this as a community. We always pray together. And I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. Give me your life. Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.